Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Before today's episode starts, I'm just going to say, this episode is in no way endorsing Scientology. I'm just telling a story here. All right, on with the show. Hi, my name is Tony Thaxton. Like anyone else, I love a great album. But I also love those strange albums that might make you wonder how and why they even exist. But I'm not here to make fun of them. I'm here to celebrate them and tell their story. This is Bizarre Albums. Today's episode, L. Ron Hubbard, Space Jazz, from 1982. In 3000 AD, the cyclo species will rule the world. Do the universe a favor. Exterminate a lot of them. Happy hunting! Get ready. Let it be said that we took this one chance. And what? To take back the planet. Piece of cake. John Travolta. Nothing will help you. Battlefield Earth. <laughs> Battlefield Earth first hit movie theaters nationwide on May 12, 2000. It was directed by Roger Christian, an Academy Award winner for set decoration on the original Star Wars in 1977. Battlefield Earth stars former Bizarre Album subject John Travolta alongside Barry Pepper and Forrest Whitaker. The IMDb synopsis of the film reads, It's the year 3000 A.D., and the Earth is lost to the alien race of Cyclos. Humanity is enslaved by these gold-thirsty tyrants, who are unaware that their man-animals are about to ignite the rebellion of a lifetime. The film was based on the 1982 novel of the same name written by the founder of Scientology, L. Ron Hubbard. The film's star, John Travolta, is a Scientologist and had been attempting to bring Battlefield Earth to the big screen since the mid-90s. That was when his career had suddenly had a resurgence after Pulp Fiction. Oh man, I shot Marvin in the face. Why the fuck did you do that? The problem was, all of the major studios had issues with the script and its connection to Scientology. Travolta himself ended up being a co-producer on the film, putting millions of his own dollars into its funding. He saw the film as the first of a two-part adaptation of the book with this one only covering the first half of the novel. Well, it didn't exactly go as planned. Battlefield Earth would end up being a huge failure with both critics and audiences. It's often regarded as one of the worst films of all time. It was nominated for a then-record eight Golden Raspberry Awards, and in 2010, it won Worst Picture of the Decade. Now, there are a ton of documentaries and articles about L. Ron Hubbard and Scientology that exist, and they go into much more detail than I'll get into today. I'm just kind of giving you the broad strokes. But L. Ron Hubbard began his writing career in the 1930s, writing hundreds of short stories for Pulp Fiction magazines. His first novel, Buckskin Brigades, was published in 1937. In the May 1950 issue of Astounding Science Fiction, Hubbard wrote an article titled Dianetics, the Evolution of a Science. 
Hubbard claims that a near-death experience during a dental procedure he had in 1938 inspired him to write a manuscript titled Excalibur. Excalibur was never published, but it would eventually become the basis for Dianetics. Dianetics is a system developed by Hubbard that aims to relieve disorders by freeing the mind of harmful mental images. Later that same month, Hubbard's book Dianetics, The Modern Science of Mental Health was released. Though the book was heavily criticized by the scientific and medical professions, it was an immediate commercial success. Soon, 500 Dianetic auditing groups were set up across the U.S., and Hubbard started the Hubbard Dianetic Research Foundation. But the foundation soon went bankrupt, and Hubbard lost the rights to Dianetics in 1952. He then reworked his ideas as a religion, a move that many believe was done for tax purposes, and he renamed them Scientology. By 1954, Hubbard regained the rights to Dianetics and founded the Church of Scientology. That same year, the IRS recognized the Church of Scientology of California as a tax-exempt organization. In 1966, the Washington, D.C. founding Church of Scientology was given a tax-exempt status nationwide. The Church of Scientology became highly profitable for Hubbard. The following is from a 1966 interview with L. Ron Hubbard, produced by the Church of Scientology. Man is asleep. He is hypnotized. And Scientology reversed the process, and you make him wake up. And he gradually gets more and more alert, and he's more and more wide awake, and his IQ rises higher and higher, and he is more and more capable of knowing what's going on about him. On August 12, 1967, Hubbard founded the Sea Org, a group of the Church of Scientology's most dedicated staff members who all signed a billion-year contract to serve Scientology. Uh. Sea Org had started in Los Angeles, but following investigations by the U.S. government, Hubbard bought a fleet of ships and moved operations offshore. Members of the Sea Org were asked to crew the ships, and one of those crew members was a musician named Neil Sarfati. Sarfati talked about his experience aboard a ship called the Apollo in a 2021 piece on The Guardian. Sarfati wrote, I had lots of jobs on the ship, everything from working in mission control to scrubbing the deck. We sailed across the Mediterranean a lot, looking for potential places to settle. In 1973, we docked in Madeira around Christmas. The local mayor asked if there were any musicians on board to play the town square. I brought my saxophone, so I turned up. We threw a short set together and were asked to return on New Year's Eve. A band was born. We called ourselves the Apollo Stars, and I became the head of the troupe. We had some amazing players. Billy Potter had played with Big Mama Thornton. Luton Taylor on bass trombone had played on the original Mission Impossible theme. Sirfati goes on to say that Hubbard got heavily involved in the band, but he didn't know what he was doing. He says he was scared of Hubbard when he first met him because he thought he could read minds. The Apollo Stars would even release an album in 1974 called The Power of Source. L. Ron Hubbard is the album's credited producer.
Apollo stars would break up in 1975 after the Apollo docked back in the U.S. and operations moved on land. Surfati left Scientology a year later. But that wouldn't be L. Ron Hubbard's only venture into producing albums. When the Battlefield Earth novel was first published, for reportedly the first time ever, a soundtrack was created for a book. So in 1982, L. Ron Hubbard released Space Jazz on Applause Records. The album begins with Golden Era of Sci-Fi. It's an odd way to open a soundtrack for a book, a song referencing things like Flash Gordon, Superman, and Buck Rogers. Up next is the first track composed by Hubbard himself, Funeral for a Planet. The back of the album features a mini-bio of Hubbard that reads, L. Ron Hubbard is the originator of space jazz and the composer and lyricist for the album. His concept of a soundtrack for a book is another first from a man whose life has been a series of firsts in numerous fields. Hubbard is best known as a highly prolific writer in many fields, including science fiction. He wrote Battlefield Earth in 1980 in celebration of his 50th year as a professional writer. His millions of fans worldwide will find this soundtrack stamped with the impress of his unmistakable style now translated into musical terms for the first time. Up next is a more or less instrumental track titled March of the Cyclos. In Battlefield Earth, the Cyclos have ruled Earth for a thousand years. They're from another universe and stand up to nine feet tall, weighing up to a thousand pounds. The Cyclos have been the dominant species across several universes for a hundred thousand years. In the Battlefield Earth movie, John Travolta plays the villain Turl, and he's the subject of the next song, Turl, the Security Director. I must say, you've done a first-rate job here as interim security chief. <laughs> I do what I can. <laughs> Thank you. 
Battlefield Earth follows Johnny Goodboy Tyler, a young man who lives near the ruins of Denver. He's eventually captured by Turl, and why am I even trying to explain this book? Let me talk about the interesting stuff on this album. The next song, Johnny, features legendary jazz pianist Chick Corea. He was part of the birth of jazz fusion in the 60s when he played with Miles Davis. He's written several jazz standards and is a 27-time Grammy Award winner. On this album, he's also playing Synthesizer, a Fairlight CMI to be specific. The back of the album mentions this synth, saying, Space Jazz is an original musical form based on the recently developed Fairlight computer musical instrument. It marks the point where computer technology caught up with musicians. Space Jazz is the first real computer music that will appeal to mass public. It antiquates past music like the cathedral organ wiped away blowing on a blade of grass. Listeners are treated to the adventure and unexpected delights of discovering a totally new musical concept in this innovative album. But Chick Corea isn't the only jazz legend who plays on this album. It also features another jazz fusion pioneer, bassist Stanley Clark. Clark plays bass on five of the album's tracks, including the next one, Wind Splitter. Stanley Clark even gets a bass solo on the side one closer, The Mining Song. It's one of two songs on the album that features Nicky Hopkins on the Fairlight CMI. Hopkins was an English pianist who also recorded with the Rolling Stones, George Harrison, The Kinks, John Lennon, and The Who, just to name a few. And that rhyme was not intentional. Side two begins with The Drone, another track written by L. Ron Hubbard. Mission. Destruction of all Earth humans. Chick Corea's wife, Gail Moran, who appeared on several of his albums, even provides some vocals on a few tracks here, including the next song, Mankind Unites. Mankind Unites. 
The rest of the musicians on the album are credited as Golden Era Musicians. The Golden Era Musicians were a group of musicians associated with Golden Era Productions, the Church of Scientology's audiovisual production facility. A couple of these musicians, Tamia Arbuckle and Charlie Rush, had also been members of the Apollo Stars. On your wild coast we now, on you. Didn't you read your paper that you signed? The album closes with Earth, My Beautiful Home. The album was released on both vinyl and cassette. Then, in 1984, it was reissued and retitled to Battlefield Earth. The album is not streaming on Spotify. However, there is a two-track single under the title Space Jazz that features the songs Johnny and Alien Visitors Attack. In 1985, L. Ron Hubbard would release a book called The Invader's Plan. It was the first novel in the 10-part Mission Earth series. Hubbard would die three months after the first book was released. The rest of the books would be released posthumously. And Mission Earth would also have an accompanying album, though this time performed by Edgar Winter. But that is for another time. Thank you for listening to Bizarre Albums. If you like the show, please subscribe and leave a review. It helps people find the show. You can also follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Bizarre Albums, and I'm at Tony Faxton. You can also like Bizarre Albums on Facebook and visit BizarreAlbums.com. And if you still want more Bizarre Albums in your life, sign up for weekly bonus episodes of Bizarre Singles and more at Patreon.com slash Bizarre Albums. And as always, if you know of a Bizarre Album you'd like to hear featured, please tweet the show. I'd love to hear from you. You can even email me at bizarrealbums at gmail.com. My name is Tony Thaxton, and I'll see you next time on Bizarre Albums.